Hello and welcome to the first proper episode of the Small Talk podcast. My name is Katie Fairman and I'm just going to be honest with you from the start, okay? I'm recording this podcast from my bed. Now, I am here because I'm not feeling too well, so sorry if the energy levels for this podcast are not where they should be. But I am, I'm living the dream. I won't lie to you. I'm in my duvet. It's super cosy. I've got F1 testing on in the background. I've got a cup of tea next to me. And I've also found some chocolate biscuits in the cupboard. So I am fully set for this podcast. And the theme of this episode is Netflix's Drive to Survive. The new season is out possibly now when you're listening to this. And I am super lucky to have been given early access to season five. So I'm going to be talking a bit about my thoughts on the series as a whole and then talking a bit about what to expect from season five, my honest thoughts and feelings about it. But don't worry, if you're one of these people who don't want any spoilers, I will make sure to give you plenty of spoiler warnings before I talk about the new season. Don't worry, bestie, I have got your back. So first, let's talk about Drive to Survive as a whole, because I know it's a bit like Marmite. Some people love it, some people hate it. I love Marmite, by the way. It's like, I literally have Marmite and toast for lunch. But anyway, beside the point. Drive to Survive has certainly split a lot of people because some people don't like the way it over uh, dramatizes certain situations or maybe the fake radios or the fake rivalries that they make you know it's very it's guilty of those things there's no getting around it but for a lot of people by having that heightened sense of drama it's resulted in a huge wave of new fans discovering it for the first time, maybe rediscovering it. The amount of people that I've seen that said, oh, I used to love F1 like a few years ago and then I kind of fell out of love with it a bit and thanks to Drive to Survive, I'm back. I'm a hardcore fan, like love it. And I think that's great. Genuinely with Formula One, I am like the opposite of a gatekeeper. I am the kind of kid that grew up watching Formula One and there were so few people that were my age that watched the Formula One races on a Sunday that I would try my hardest to try and persuade all of my mates to give it a try. Like I would bring in my magazines of autosport um, and all this kind of stuff to try and get them to, to watch it. But it, I didn't have much luck with it. But anyway, like the more people that fall in love with Formula One and motorsport in general, the better in my opinion. Like if you're listening to this, you're probably of the same like take that Formula One is bloody magic. I love it so much. It is my entire personality. And the more people that can feel that way and can relate and just be so in love with Formula One and motorsport, the better, in my opinion. Like I want more people to feel the way I feel about Formula One cars. Might sound a bit sad, but it's the way it is. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sit here and say Drive to Survive is the best thing that has ever happened to Formula One because it's not. Like there are so many elements to it from past seasons where I've left feeling really disappointed about maybe the way that they have portrayed certain storylines. I mean, last year, this whole story with Nikita Mazepin and what happened in Russia was just like tone deaf. Um, and there have been several instances of rivalries being made up and, you know, Daniel Ricciardo and Carlos Sainz not getting along. Or if it wasn't Daniel Ricciardo, it was Carlos Sainz and Lando not getting along. And we all know that they had a really good friendship, relationship as teammates, whatever you want to label it as. I will also stand by the fact that I am not a fan of the Roman Grosjean episode. I mean, when I watch that, I like, I have no shame in saying that I find the Grosjean 
accident still quite a triggering thing i know that there might be some people out there that be like yeah well f1 drivers crash all the time like get over yourself and that's fine like i know that i know that formula one is a dangerous sport there can sometimes be awful accidents like and i fully take that on when i tune in to watch the grand prix on a sunday but i don't know i just found the way that that was handled a bit naff And, you know, the fact that it took so long for them to show him out of the car. And although at the time it felt like it was a lifetime waiting to see him sort of emerge from the flames, if you like. The Netflix crew, in my opinion, just stretched that reality a little bit too much. But then I saw, you know, people reacting to it on Gogglebox, which is a show that we've got here in the UK. And they had never seen Formula One before. And like watching them watch Grosjean's Crash and Drive to Survive was super interesting. And clearly for the non-fans, which is really what Drive to Survive is for, it's for the not hardcore F1 fans, you know, they clearly reacted well with it. And it got the point across that it was a real heart in your mouth moment and your emotions were everywhere. Anyway, I'm going into a massive tangent here, but Drive to Survive, it has its good things, it has its bad things. Now, season five, okay? This is your spoiler warning. Whoop, whoop, you know, I'll put a little sound effect in here. If you don't want any spoilers for the new season, turn this off, okay? I can't believe I'm telling people to turn off a few minutes into my very first full-length podcast, but here we are. Um, Hopefully you will come back and find this again once you've watched the season, if you're going to. So, season five of Drive to Survive. Got a lovely ring to it, doesn't it? This, for me, was a season which, although they have definitely got better with, you know, adding in fake radio calls, although there are still quite a lot sprinkled in, um, I don't know, I feel like this is the season where I've been the most, like, meh, like, you know, okay, there's no- there was nothing that was, in my opinion, Im- amazing, but there was nothing that I was left with a really sour taste in my mouth. It was kind of, I feel like if I was to give it a rating, I'd probably give it about five out of 10. Now, one common thing that I have seen from the reviews that I've looked at so far, I watched Matt and Tommy did a a YouTube video on it. Um, Also, one of my friends, George, did a review for Cinema Savvy. There are plenty of reviews. Racing News 365 did one. Like, there are lots of reviews from people out there if you also want to see what others are saying. But there are a lot of people that were saying, oh, you know, they kind of had a bit of a boring season to make exciting television out of. And I would really disagree with that point. I know that the championship battle wasn't the same as we saw in 2021 and we're probably not going to see a championship battle like that for some time. Sorry to be a party pooper but I think that's just the truth. But there were still loads of storylines that could have 100% have been featured in Drive to Survive and I think should have been featured but were literally not at all mentioned. Now, I'm not an insider, like, I don't know what's going on with Drive to Survive, what the reasons were for not including some of the storylines, but for me, I just, I was, I felt so disappointed that massive moments were left out. So, off the top of my head, Sebastian Vettel, I mean, it's no secret I adore Sebastian Vettel, I think he's a wonderful person, he's a fantastic racing driver, I was heartbroken when he announced his retirement, but I I get it, you know, but his, him leaving the sport is literally not mentioned at all. There is, he gets like so little screen time honest to god i think we go we go to christian horner's house a lot in this okay if you had that on your bingo card congratulations but i swear to god we see more footage of christian horner's bloody chickens in the garden than we see of sebastian vettel in this series like 
I don't understand. But anyway, Seb isn't mentioned much at all. There is hint that he'll be covered next year. There's like at the end of episode 10, a sort of next season, and we actually get to see Seb in the chair. So I'm I'm hoping that they kind of spoke to him at some point, but I don't understand. They have this big whole like farewell episode to Daniel Ricardo in episode 10 and looking back at his drive to survive career, why Seb leaving wasn't kind of bundled into that. But anyway, that's a big storyline that I feel is missing. I also really hope that they were gonna speak to Nick DeVries and get an insight into his weekend. Obviously he made his Formula One debut in Monza with Alex Alban being taken unwell with appendicitis and like it's hardly mentioned they speak to Nick they have him in the chair but in terms of like the BTS content that I was really hoping for from that Monza weekend it just doesn't exist and I know that maybe beating Latifi in your first weekend in Formula One might not be the most insane achievement but (laughs) it's just not covered at all and I thought there would be a great storyline there of like Williams don't often find themselves in the points anyway they've now got this brand new driver he's learning the ropes can he cling on to points can he beat his teammate all of these things and it's just not mentioned and then like the after bit of his name then being thrown into the hat and him getting his f1 seat full time next year there was so much potential there for me but it just it was given like five minutes of airtime. also another story that isn't mentioned is the Haas pole in brazil which to me seems like the perfect drive to survive story. It's no secret that Haas have been a huge part of drive to survive so far. Gunter Steiner is a massive Netflix star because of this and Haas have seemed to have an episode every season and it's like a consistent story to see how Haas are getting on. And then for them to get pole in Brazil, like I understand that Drive to Survive will have sort of allocations of things they do each weekend. Like from um, memory, there is there was a conversation that um, I heard where I think it was a producer of Drive to Survive said at the beginning of the season, he sort of sits down with all the teams and they say, okay, well, for, I don't know, the Italian Grand Prix, Ferrari are going to run this special livery and we're going to have this big special weekend um, and Drive to Survive might go, okay, cool. Well, we'll make a note that we'll follow Ferrari then for that weekend so that we can get some good BTS. And I can understand that like the pole position in Brazil was such a shock, such a weird, wacky thing to have happened that like nobody could have predicted that. But then still, like it was completely almost glossed over. And you think, oh my goodness, it's very unlikely Hass are going to get any kind of high like this again. And I, I couldn't quite understand why that wasn't covered in more detail. But anyway, on to things that are covered in it, some of which I think are done well. The Oscar Piastri situation is tackled, I think, pretty well. Um, They speak to Oscar a lot. We hear from Zach Brown, we hear from Otmar, and why did I just say Otmar so weird, by the way? We hear from Otmar, and um, we get to sort of see behind the scenes of how that all happened. We don't get any kind of like legal stuff, like when it went to the contract board or whatever, like we, we don't get any of that, which is fair enough. But there's even like a cameo from Mark Webb which is cool and um yeah like the whole thing is done pretty well i think so you know props to dts for that 
one story that has really annoyed me. I mean, I just sound like a really annoyed person anyway throughout this whole podcast probably, but is how <laughs> is how Sergio Perez has been portrayed in this season of Drive to Survive. Right, so there's an episode, I believe it's episode seven. Okay, don't take my word for this but I believe that's what it is. And it's called Hot Seat, and it's all about Sergio Perez. And it features the Monaco weekend and focuses on him in Monaco, which is obviously great timing because he actually managed to get a victory there. So, you know, well done, like smart thinking. However, the storyline that they decide to go with is that Sergio just isn't performing to the standards that he should. And I understand that he has Max Verstappen as a teammate. And as we saw, you know, Max quite literally had a record-breaking year. He won the most races that has ever been seen in a single F1 season. He is a freaking insane talent. He is inevitable. I would certainly not like to be his teammate. Not because (laughs) I literally, I mean, I couldn't be his teammate anywhere. I don't even have a bloody driver's license. I could let alone be a Formula One driver. But I just know that it would be a tough, life to be Max Verstappen's teammate. But anyway, this episode focuses on Sergio and they're saying that he hasn't performed very well, but the fans of F1 obviously know that that is not entirely true. Sergio got his first ever pole position in Saudi Arabia only a few races beforehand. This is not mentioned at all. Okay, his pole in Saudi isn't mentioned. Then they don't talk about the fact that he could have quite easily won in Saudi had he not been sort of mugged off with Ferrari saying that they were going to pit Leclerc and then they didn't and they left him out and then Sergio came in and then there was a safety car and like he got mugged off, okay? Once again, that is not mentioned. So we arrive in Monaco and apparently all the big sort of talk of the town is that Sergio isn't performing at Red Bull. He could have his contract not renewed. Oh my God. God, what's going to happen? And they've sort of gone for like a zero to hero kind of arch for this episode, which is already a bit off and not entirely true. But you know, Netflix is going to do what it's got to do. But then the thing that really annoys me with this is that they're saying Sergio's rubbish, he's not very good, all this kind of thing. He then obviously wins in Monaco. And it's all, oh, yeah, Sergio's so brilliant. Like we kind of never had any doubts. And that a few days later, it gets announced that he has signed his contract, which is all again what happened. It got announced on like the Monday or the Tuesday after the Monaco Grand Prix that he'd signed a contract extension and all this kind of thing. But hardcore F1 fans will remember that when Sergio won in Monaco, on his way up to the podium celebrations, he made a joke with Christian Horner, which he probably thought we're not going to get picked up by cameras and the TV crew, but it did. And he joked that, oh, I signed that contract way too early, except in this episode they make it out to be that when he won in Monaco he literally his future was in doubt and all this kind of thing and he's kind of proved himself but that's false that's a false narrative but then I guess drive to survive chuck those in here there and everywhere nowadays but that really annoyed me later on in the season the episode Um, there's an episode in Singapore and it kind of like links in a bit with the whole budget cap stuff and once again that's actually tackled quite well and the Red Bull winning the Constructors Championship in Austin and all that kind of stuff is is done okay I, I don't mind that I quite like how that was handled but they talk about Singapore and they go on about how Max had this awful race that he was mathematically in the chance of winning the title that weekend and all this kind of thing and it's all Max 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 in the episode and how he had an absolute stinker. And then at the end, they go, and 
Ferrari get a 2-3 result, McLaren P4, P5. There is zero mention of Sergio winning that race. And I don't understand why, because it would literally be an extra second of commentary and a quick flash to him crossing maybe the checkered flag first or something. But I, I don't think this is at all what's happened, but it's almost like they have an anti-Sergio Perez agenda. And like I say, this is just from my personal opinion, from watching it from the outside, but I feel like Sergio gets a bit mugged off this season um but who knows perhaps that was the price that had to be paid to have Max Verstappen on the show I am sure that it is just coincidence but if I was Sergio Perez I probably wouldn't be too impressed Talking of not being too impressed, one thing that I picked up on, and actually, like I said, that my friend George, who um, did a review of this last night, also said the same thing, is that the kind of BTS content that we got during the first few seasons, which bearing in mind, quite a lot of that was done during the pandemic, and they still managed to get some great behind the scenes of maybe visiting drivers' homes or that kind of thing. I feel like that's kind of been eradicated. The only home that we kind of get to see is Christian Horner's home, um, which, like I say, seems to feature in absolutely every episode. Um, we see a lot of Jerry Halliwell Horner, however she goes now. And although, you know, I don't have too much against Jerry, she seems like a fairly decent person. And I love the Spice Girls, so um, I was one of those people that paid an outrageous amount of money to go and see them at Wembley a few years ago. So for that, you know, I like Jerry. But I kid you not, I feel like Jerry Halliwell Horner is potentially the woman with the most amount of screen time in this series. And I've not gone along and counted the minutes for people that have appeared in it and I know that having a championship where 20 men compete and there are 10 team principals and they're also all men like I'm not expecting it to be a 50-50 divide of men and women like I'm aware of the reality of Formula 1 at the moment and you know that's fine but honestly there are so few women that appear in this Jenny Gao is one of the not a narrator but you know, she's appeared in it in the last few seasons and she's like um, Will Buxton's role, but it's just a different voice. I kid you not, we see Jenny Gow for a few minutes and that's it. Like, we see Will Buxton a lot. Um, he is still sort of your main narrator, talking things through, all that kind of thing. But yeah, we hardly hear from Jenny at all, which is a bit disappointing. As for other female representation, one of my close friends, Claire Cottingham, who is a fantastic F1 journalist, um, please make sure to find her on socials and give her a follow and all that wonderful stuff. But Claire appears quite a lot visually as represented within the, the journalists and all that kind of stuff. But there's a point where I think one of her questions is audible that she asked to Otmar, but we never actually get to see her ask the question. Instead, it's focused on another male journalist and you can hear it's her voice. But yeah, disappointing, I would say, the amount of women that are kind of shown. Sophie Ogg, who works for McLaren in their kind of communications department, is shown a fair bit in it but generally not as many women as I would have hoped for. We also see the Joe Silverstone crash a load. I think it's shown three or four times in the first few episodes and so there were some interesting angles from that that I had not yet seen um, kind of like a consistent onboard from Joe when his car was flipped and all that kind of stuff. Once again it's kind of like over dramatising a crash and we see it from every angle whether that's the storyline is following Mercedes and obviously Russell is involved in that tangle and so 
we get to see the Joe crash and then we also follow Ferrari and Carlos Sainz on his way to his first win at Silverstone and as a result we see the crash and like all we get to see from Joe himself is like he sits down after they show the crash and he's kind of like hello yes I'm still alive and then that's all we kind of get <laughs> and it's crazy because for the Alfa Romeo team especially Valtteri Bottas joining them for 2022 you'd think that they've spoken to Bottas a lot in previous seasons I mean crikey we saw his bloody bare ass in one of the episodes a few seasons ago like we've literally almost seen every square inch of Altry Bottas and then he just doesn't appear at all in season five. So that's a, a, a disappointing thing. There are a few drivers that aren't really given much airtime. Nicholas Latifi, I mean, he's literally non-existent. Perhaps there is not a way to feature every single driver. Like I say, Sebastian hardly gets any airtime. There is more of Fernando Alonso this year, which is great, but they completely don't cover his amazing front row start in Canada. The fact that he was on for a really good result in Australia isn't mentioned, but there is more of... Fernando in this and he does deliver some pretty iconic lines I won't lie to you so that's something to look out for Drive to Survive there are some good moments there are some bad moments I don't know it's one of those things every single year I think maybe this is the last time I will watch it and then I end up getting pulled in and I guess because it's kind of easy TV it's a nice little season review for some of the good bits there are funny behind the scenes moments you know it's one of those things that like if you don't watch it then you're gonna just see a load of clips on social media and you're gonna think oh well actually now I get a bit of FOMO because I don't actually know what context those clips have been put in and yeah so I will probably still watch season six and season seven and season eight, however long it will go on for. I'll be interested to know what your thoughts of Drive to Survive are, just generally and also this season. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this ramble of my thoughts on Drive to Survive season five and that you've enjoyed this first full episode of the podcast. I noticed I did like a little intro pod earlier this week, which I shared. It's only like a five minute thing. And oh my goodness, the amount of times I say the word podcast in that, like honestly, if you were to take a shot every single time I said the word podcast, you would literally be um, in a very bad way. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you want to hear more of from this podcast. Like I say, I'm still recording this in my bed. I want to try and keep it fun, informal, and um, I will look forward to hearing your feedback. Don't forget to give it a five star if you enjoyed it, and I will look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening and speak to you soon. Bye.